Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. All right, but I am super pumped to be closing out, and it's not happening this week, I just say that to make you excited, but uh, to be closing out this series, Chasing Giants. We, we're, it, it's getting closer, I'll just say, I'll say that. We've been in this for eight weeks now, really looking at, at, at particularly Joseph in the Bible and what happened, because his story is not just his story, but it's a story of what always happens. And we really started with Joseph and the two dreams that God gave him at 17 years old. But as you know, those dreams don't come true. As we read through Genesis 39, 40, 41, you see, those dreams don't come true until he is 30 years old. But again, this isn't rare. In fact, I would say more often than not, this is the course and the way that it happens. If you look at Moses in the Bible, you may be familiar with somebody named Moses in the Bible. Moses was an Israelite, but at the time, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt and were being oppressed. Their numbers were growing. And so the Egyptians are like, we're going to kill all the baby boys because there's too many of these, there's too many Israelites. But his mom is like, I got to try to keep him around. We got to do something. So she tried to hide him. Finally, he's too big. And, and, and you, you see in the story that his mom puts him in the river and floats him in a basket. And Pharaoh's daughter sees him and raises Moses as her own in the palace. So he's raised there his whole life. But the Bible says in Acts that it came into the heart of Moses to go and see his people. It came into his heart when he was 40 years old. And you may know what happened, which is he goes and sees them and is like, hey, what's going on out here? Sees an Egyptian slave beating one of the Hebrews, one of the Israelites. And so he intervenes and ends up killing the Egyptian and burying the body in the sand. And we're kind of even, we're actually told what he assumes, which is they'll realize that God wants to use me to free them. The Israelites are going to figure this out. They don't. They're like, "Uh uh-oh, what's going on? Who made you ruler over us? What's going on? So they get all mad. So Moses flees Egypt and goes to the wilderness for 40 years. He's there until a burning bush that doesn't burn up catches his attention. He goes to it. And what God laid on his heart 40 years before to do, now an angel from a burning bush says, Moses... Go back and do it. There was a 40-year gap between when God laid it on his heart. And here's one of the reasons I bring that up is this, is you might have a dream or it might just be that God laid something on your heart. But notice Moses tries to accomplish it in his own strength, goes and kills an Egyptian, and God isn't like, well, he screwed that up too much. I better go find somebody else. Forty years later, God comes to Moses and is like, you're my man. I want you to go do it. And Moses is like, read it for yourself. It's a long story. He's like, okay, I'll do it. He, he, he says, okay, okay, I'll do it. So I don't know how that dream's going to come to you. Maybe it's a dream that God lays, and you're like, you know what? I see it. Maybe it's a vision. 
I don't know. Maybe it's just something that God put in your heart that you're like, I can do it. Like Jamie, like there's an opportunity and she just jumps in like having no idea what it meant, knowing not what she was signing up for at all. She's like, yeah, I've got gifts. I've got talents. I'll just use them. Here I go. And got to have a huge impact on so many kids, hundreds of kids. So Joseph, we're looking at Joseph, but we're seeing, we've, we've been in this gap for so long, for seven weeks we've been looking at it, and the tests that he went through as he was doing this and as, as he was getting ready. We saw the pride test that he failed the first time, and we saw the pit, and the pit test is, you know, how are you going to respond when people and the devil come against the call, what God put on your heart or the dream that he has for you? The purity test, will you serve God in private? And we saw the prison test. How will you respond when people wrongfully accuse you, when they're coming at you? And then last week was the prophetic test. How will you respond to the word of the Lord? Because God wants to talk. He wants to speak. He speaks to you through his written word. But we believe that God speaks to and through us today. And one of the things I said last week was how God spoke to me through the Bible. And I was like, you know, as I was reading in Proverbs and, and I do that thing where you read a Proverbs a day. I said, so I bet I probably read that a thousand times before. But Proverbs 20, 24, where it says that if a man's steps are directed by the Lord, how can he understand his own way? And then after service, Hunter, my, my, my son comes to me. He's 12 years old. And he goes, Dad, you know how you said you've read that thousands of times? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, I don't think you've read that a thousand times. Do you realize how many times you have to read that every single day in order to read that a thousand? He's like, you're only 40 years old, and if you read it once a month, and it's 12 times in every year, 12 times 40 is not a thousand times. Do you think you've done that? <laughs> and I'm like, thank you for paying attention. <laughs> no, it's a figure of speech. I have not read it thousands, thousands of times or even a thousand times, but I was really proud of him for paying attention. And I was like, hey, way, way to go. Glad you did that. But today we're jumping in, and we're going to be, we're going to look right, if you have your Bibles, Genesis 41, and we're going to look at the palace test, the palace test. Genesis 41, verse 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothes, and came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it, but I have heard it said that you can understand a dream and interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is not me, but God. Now we talked about this before, that we're going to take these tests, and it's not like a, a, a pass-fail, you never do it again, like you graduated, it's done. And I realize that that's the case with most of our tests in like school, because we, we homeschool the kids, and I'm, I'm, I'm helping Hunter with his sixth grade math. And I'm like, I already passed this test. You mean I'm supposed to remember this stuff? And I'm like, okay, what is this? And okay, okay yep, I know what to do here. Because I'm, I'm on the outside of it. But this test, like Joseph, he's right back to the pride test. Because Pharaoh comes, and what does Pharaoh say? Pharaoh comes and says, I understand that you can interpret dreams. And Joseph's response, I think, could have gotten him killed. Because the first words out of his mouth were, no, I can't. I think he could have gotten killed right there. The Pharaoh's just like, then why are you here? Off with his head. Like, somebody stop wasting my time. But he didn't. This is what he says. He goes, it's not me, it's God. He passed the pride test this time. 
So these aren't tests that you just pass and you never take. You might take it over and over. You might fail it and you get another chance to take it. You might pass it. And the devil's like, well, I'm going to try again later. This works on most people, doesn't work on them. Here I come again. So it's something we need to keep in mind. But this time, Joseph flies right by them. He says, not me, it's God. God will give Pharaoh an answer. So Pharaoh tells him the dreams, and sure enough, God, through Joseph, interprets Pharaoh's dreams. And so this is the result. Genesis 41, verse 37. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and all, the eyes of all of his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a man as this in whom is the Spirit of God? So no. Joseph gives God the glory and watch what happens. Because here's the deal. Most of us don't want to give God the glory because we want the promotion. And we're like, if I give somebody else the promotion, I won't get, or somebody else the glory, I won't get the promotion. Joseph is in prison. Now, he was running the place, which if you're going to be in prison, you might as well run it. But he wants out of there. But yet he's still, he's taking that pride test. He's like, no. It was God. But Pharaoh realizes, okay, in whom is the Spirit of God? Verse 39, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all of this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. That's a serious promotion. Verse 41, Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off of his hand, put it on Joseph's hand, and clothed him in, his, in garments of fine linen, put a gold chain around his neck, and had him ride in the second chariot, which he had. And they cried out before him, bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no man may lift his foot or hand in the land of Egypt. Like, they didn't just send an email with like a little photo, like, hey, here's the new prime minister, like, here you go. No, 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 no. So they paraded Joseph all through Egypt so everybody could see. This was a huge ordeal. And now Pharaoh says, no one will do anything, lift hand or foot without your word. He just went from prison to the palace. Like things just changed big time for Joseph. That's not like, hey, good job. This is life changing, completely different. So here's the palace test. Here's what the palace test is. The palace test is this. What will you do and will you trust God when you don't? need to. When you're living hand to mouth, you're like, God, I need you. I, I need you. I can't pay this bill. I don't know where my food is coming from. I don't know what's next. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. We need God. You're like, God, I need you. I need you. E even the world recognizes this with, with sayings and things like, well, all there's left to do is pray. You know, nothing else to do to pray, but pray. And I'm like, no, that's where you start. You start with prayer. You pray first. But it's easy-er to trust God 
when you don't have anything. When you're like, I don't know what's going to happen because you don't have any money. I don't know where this is coming from. You know, I, I've, I've got no idea. I'm just trusting God. Um, my parents, when, when, when they went on the mission field, that's what they did. They didn't raise ongoing support. They were like, we think this is where God's called us to go, so we're just going to go do it. So they would go down there, and dad would go out and preach, and whatever they gave him, that's what we would eat that night. He'd bring it home, and here's the chickens and goats and everything else. And, and that was, he's like, well, we don't know. What's going to happen? We don't know. Groceries showing up on the door, and like, well, that's what we get to eat. And that's a fun place to be, in a sense, because you get to watch God just be faithful and show up in ways that you can't think. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because sometimes you're like, well, this is how God should work. And then God's like, I got something brand new. Watch this. And you're like, that's awesome. That, that's awesome. One of, one of the things that I, I remember when we were getting ready to launch the church and, and we had money set aside and we had, we had positioned ourselves to be able to do it because God had put something in our heart years before. God put something ugh, in our heart, which was, he's like, I want you to be ready to go where I send you. And he didn't tell us where, but so we spent five years getting completely out of debt and paying off our house so we could be ready. But we didn't know what it was. But then we realized, okay, God's wanting us to, to start a church. And, and so we shifted jobs and everything that we were doing and, and, and finances. And, and we're preparing to do this. And my daughter Molly, her birthday's in February, wanted strawberry shortcake for her birthday. But it was one of those things where we weren't broke, but we were, watch, we were very mindful of where we were spending money because we're like, well, we don't know exactly. I, I don't have a steady job. I'm doing all kinds of different things, and we have money. But uh, it's, it's like that. it's off-season. You want strawberry shortcake. Strawberries are expensive. We don't know if that's what we should be doing right now because we want to be ready for what God's calling us to do. So we invited some friends over. Um, they were coming to our house, and, and it's February. And they show up, and... She walks in and she goes, you might think this is kind of funny. She goes, but my mom made this and wanted me to bring it. And she comes in with strawberry shortcake. I wouldn't have come up with God doing that. I wouldn't have come up with that. But God did. And Molly is just like, are you kidding me? She's like, see, I get the strawberry shortcake that I wanted. And we're like, yep, keep praying. All right, sounds, sounds good. And let me just say, it can be fun in that season. There is a, a peace. There is a strength in those seasons where you watch God just show up and show off, and you're relying on him. But let me just say this. What do you do? And the palace test is, how do you respond when you no longer need to rely on God like that? What will you do? Now, let me just say this. It's not meant to go away, our reliance on God. It's meant to transform. It's got to change the way we rely on God and what we rely on Him for, in a sense, is going to change. It's the same thing, but it's different. Like we've got... This week we ate uh, some chicken legs. You guys gave us that smokers. So we're trying some different things. And, and we tried some chicken legs, and they were good. They're really, really good. So, but those are chicken legs. 
But there's a difference between the chicken legs that we ate and the chickens that are running around in my yard. It's the same thing, but different. Number one, we ate dead chickens, okay? They, they, they were dead. They've been dead for a while. They, they, they were cleaned, okay? They were plucked. They were washed. The chickens that run around, they don't wash anything. They just poop. That's the thing that drives me nuts. They just poop in machines. You're like, are you kidding me? And you come to visit, and nine out of ten times, you pull in that driveway, and I'm chasing chickens off of where they're not supposed to be. I'm running outside. Xavier laughs, because all the time, he comes over, and I'm out there, stupid chickens, yelling at the chickens. I'm trying to send texts, and I use that voice-to-text thing, and I'm like, on Tuesday, could we, stupid chickens, and I hit send. I'm like, oops, wasn't supposed to do that. So if you ever get stupid chickens from a text from me, that's, that's what's going on. But there's a difference. There's a difference between the chicken that I ate and the chickens that are running around. It's the same, but it's different. And when we move from this, God, I need you, I'm relying on you because without you, I won't make it through the day, we're meant to stay in that same place, but it's going to look different. It's going to transform, and it is going to look a little bit different because we still need to trust God, but now we're trusting him in a different way. We're going to trust him in a different way. I like what it says in 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians 9-11, it says this. This is a little bit about what God wants for you. He says, now, he who supplies seed to the sower. If you're sowing seed, what are you expecting? A harvest. You're expecting it to grow, right? You're going to eat it. I don't know anybody that sows seed and like, I don't want anything for this. I'm like, no, I put grass seed down. There should be more grass, right? I plant some watermelon seed because I want watermelon. I plant because I want something back. And he says, okay, he who supplies seed to the sower, bread for food. Okay, so now you're eating it. This is what I'm taking in. And an increase for your store. Okay, so that's the stuff that you're keeping. All right, we're talking about seeds, but we're not. So it's, it's the money that you're investing because you're expecting it to return. It's the money that you're eating, that you're living off of. But then he also says, he who supplies the seed or the money for your store, that's your bank account, that's your, that's your rainy day fund, that's, that's what you're sitting on over here, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So we just went from talking about money to talking about righteousness. Now, in some people's minds, those two things don't go together. <laughs> like They don't mix. They're oil and water. Money and righteousness. Don't, but, but for God, it does. But what's he want to do with it? Verse 12, you will be enriched in every way. This is what God wants for you. So that you can be generous on every occasion. See, we are to transform. Our trust in God needs to stay there. But now, instead of trusting God, I need someone to knock on my door and give me groceries. Now we're like, God, whose door needs a knock so I could give the groceries? It's meant to be there, but just to shift so that you can be generous on every occasion. Our reliance on God should not weaken. Our trust shouldn't be in God just as strong with much as it was when we had little because his faithfulness is still there. It's his faithfulness. But he says, be rich in, so that you can be generous in every occasion and that through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So how do we do it? Number one, realize this, that everybody needs God. 
and that what you have in the bank makes zero difference. What car you drive, clothes you can afford, makes zero difference. We all need God. I like what it says in Revelations 17. It says this, you say, I am rich and have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. He's like, God looks and he's like, no, you're not. You think you are, you have no lack. He's like, all you are is lack. He's like, you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I don't know if I, that sounds like the bottom to me. If there's a lower bottom, I don't know. That sounds like God's like, no, we need him. So the number one thing that we need to do is realize that we need him. We need him. I like what it says in 1 Timothy. It says, command those who are rich in this world. It doesn't say get rid of it. Not to be proud and put their trust in money, which is so unreliable. My peace, our peace, is not meant to come from what we have. Oh, I got X amount of money. I'm, it, it's okay. The business is doing well. It's okay. Our peace is not to come from that. Our peace, he says, don't put your trust in riches. Well, I've got this asset, so now, now it's okay. You know, this, this is doing well over here, or this is about to come in. This is, no, no, it doesn't come from that. He says, command those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to put their trust in money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. It's that we're not to trust our wealth, we're to trust our source. And which is better? The water that comes from the well or the well itself? I'll take the well. I don't want the water that comes from the well, I want the well. Because the well just keeps going and going and going. And God's like, put your trust not in the water, but in the well. God is to be our source. So the way that this transforms, one of these things that we do is what we have to stay at that point where we're like, God, I need you. I need you. And now it might be a little different where you walk through the grocery store and you're like, I can afford everything in here. I've been at the grocery store. I walk through and I'm like, this is great. And then I get up front and they tell me how much it costs. And I'm like, nope, not doing that. Not doing that. And you're like, okay, well, you need to, we got to get rid of like 30 bucks worth of stuff. You ever done that? I've done it. And been like, okay, I don't need that. How much is that? And you're having fun with the cash register person. And they look at you like, don't you know how to count? And I'm like, seriously, who goes through the grocery store with their calculator? Because I didn't have a phone at the time and phones didn't have calculators at the time. And it's like, this is, this is, I'm like, I'm not that, that good. I guessed I was wrong. I just need to put that back. It happens, but maybe you're not there anymore. So maybe now you're looking, you're like, I'm done with my list. And what you need to do is just stop and say, God, my list is done. Is there something you need me to get? Is there something that I can get for somebody else? God, is there? And just stop and ask. And if he puts something on your heart, do it. If not, don't. But make, maybe just, just put a practice of, God, I still want to rely on you. What is it that I can do? Man, it can make a huge difference. When you meet that need, I've seen it before. We had that. We were in that same season 
of, of starting the church and just being extra frugal with what we have. And it wasn't that we couldn't afford, but Becca went to the store and there was some fruit. And she's like, you know what? We don't know exactly what's happening, so we're, I'm not going to buy the fruit. I think it was like three or four different fruits that she's like, oh, there was some bananas and apples and strawberries, something like that. So we go home. We get a knock on the door. And guess what is on the door? The fruit that she's like, I don't know if I should be buying that right now. Somebody went and bought and put it on our door. The exact fruits that she's like, I don't know. You want to know what that spoke to us? It wasn't like, oh, thanks for the strawberries. I mean, they were, it was, thanks for the strawberries. <laughs> but you want to know what that did in our hearts? God's like, I see and I've got it covered. <laughs> God paid attention to some fruit that we could afford to buy, but just thought we probably might not, we don't know what's coming. It wasn't that we couldn't, but God jumped in. Man, it's fun to be on either side of those stories. It's so much fun. Uh, a couple days ago, friends came over, and I was like, hey, nice car. You got that's, that's new. That's got to be new. And he's like, yeah. So he tells me, he's like, yeah, you know, we weren't really planning on it, but space-wise, and he's like, he's like, yeah, we got it. He's like, we're really enjoying it. He goes, oh, but do you remember the van? And his face lights up talking about the van. And I'm like, yeah, I remember the van. And he's like, well, so when we got the car, and we're like, well, what do we do with the van? And he's, he's so happy as he's telling me this story. He's like, so the wifey and I were like, well, let's, we, we prayed about it. And we're like, we're going to give the van away. So we prayed, and, and there was this couple that were like, we feel like this is who God wants us to give the van to. He's like, so? He's like, we always want to include the kids on it. And they have, they have several kids ranging from teenagers down to like, I think like five or six. And so we went to the kids, and we're like, hey, we want to give away the van. Will you guys pray about us giving the van and maybe who it should go to. He goes, that's all we said. We didn't say anything else. And he goes, and so they went, they prayed, and then we got together and the kids are like, this couple, that's who we should give it to. And he goes, it was the exact couple. We didn't say anything to them that God laid on our hearts. God confirmed it through our kids and to our kids. He's like, how cool is that? When he talks about the car, he's like, yeah, we got a new car. It's been great. The thing that you can't see when I tell that story is how his face lit up when he talked about giving away the van and how God used their kids to confirm who to give the van to. It's fun. We never are meant to lose that place of dependence and trust on God. We always rely on it. And then we look at what we have and we say, God, what do you want me to do with it? What do you want me to do with it? Whether it's much or little, a business or income, time and energy, whatever it is, we say, God, what do you want me to do with it? Maybe, it's, maybe you're single and it's your singleness. And you're like, I've got... I've got some time. I've got some availability. It's going to God and say, God, what can I be doing with this? Use me. And instead of running around and being like, well, how do I meet another person? You're like, God, what can you do through me? If it's finances and you've got the gift of check writing, write a big check. Do it. 
If you're like, oh, this church is just after my money, find another church. Go there and write there. Write big checks to them so the kingdom of God can advance because Jesus said, I will build my church. I got a passion to build the church, not because I'm building the church, but because Jesus said that's what he's doing. And I want to be on board with whatever he's on board with. So get involved in it. If you're like, you know what? It's just, it's a season, maybe your house is a little empty and you're like, you know what? We don't have the kids here anymore. Maybe you can open up your home and host and have some groups over, invite some teenagers in one of the small groups. I guarantee they'll break things. Just know it. I've been those groups where people open up their homes and we go in and out and you're like, oh, things broke and you meet with them later and you're like, I'm so sorry we did that. Man, we were crazy. Why did you do that? I mean, I've heard the stories where like, we loved it. We absolutely loved cleaning it. You guys play that stupid Polish ping pong and you broke the drywall. He said, <laughs> Keith's like, one of, the th- one of the guys, Keith, he's like, finally, he goes, we stopped patching it and we started layering drywall on drywall until it got thick enough you guys wouldn't break it. But it's taking the gifts, the talents, the things that you have and saying, God, I'm relying on you. You're my source. What do you want me to do with what you've given me? That's the palace test. How will you respond? Will you trust God when you don't need to? When it seems like you can meet your own needs? Or will you see, God, you're my source? Not this job, not this fund, not my business, not the family, this or that. God, you're my source. And I want to please you more than anything else. Whether this comes or goes, whether the value is high or low, God, I trust in you. Isaiah says, he will keep in perfect peace. He whose heart, other translations say, thoughts are steadfast on him. Our peace doesn't come through. It doesn't come from dollar amounts, bank accounts, retirements, this, and future plan that. It's like, no, God, it comes from you. You're my source. He knows what's coming. It's not a surprise to him. He says, will you trust me right where you are? And will you take what I've given you and use it? Use it to build the kingdom. Just ask. You just ask God, say, God, what do you want me to do with this? the talents that you have, begin to use them. Man, if if you've been hanging around Life West very long, you know that one of the things that we love is food. And like, not just eating food, because you're like, well, yeah, obviously, everybody loves food. But we've got some awesome food. Like, we get together, and the Dream Team breakfast, if you serve, one of the things I love about the two services is we have so many people that serve one and attend one, and then we do breakfast together in between. And we've got some families that are like, we love food, but we don't just love to eat it, we love to make it. And they make some amazing food, week in and week out. And they are an incredible blessing because they they took the thing that they love. And they're like, how can I use it to build the kingdom? They make food and they just bless people who are taking time to come to church, to give of their time, to be a blessing to somebody else. It's one of the things I love about serving and giving to the church is it's, it's just like, it's God. 
Nobody gets the credit but God. God. God gets the credit. I love it. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know where you are, but God is your source when we have much and when we have little. And no matter what you have, never miss out on the opportunity to just stop and ask him, like, God, what do you want me to do with it? We went on a mission trip years and years ago to Mexico. And I was preaching, and I prepared a message on generosity. And we get down, and the first place I was going to go preach was a village. When I say village, you just think, okay, it's a village. But we get there, um, there was one house that had a light. It, uh, the light ran off of a, a, an old car battery. And I say house. Um, you could sneeze and blow the walls out in, in, in the thing. There were chickens running everywhere. Kids, it was odd. They're, they're climbing everything, jumping on everything. There was no running water. Um, you'd, you'd walk up and down to get It was just like, holy cow. Before we preach, they're like, they've got some food for us. And I'm like, okay. And we sit down and they, they bring us some food. And the food that they prepared for us, I look at my bowl and it's hot water and pig skin. Like you can see the hairs on it. Like it's pig fat and hot water. And it's like a hunk of, of, it's not like, ooh, delicious. Like I say pig fat, you probably think like something along bacon. It wasn't anything like that. And I'm like, you can see the hairs on it. And I'm just like, I don't want to eat this. And I, and I can hear my dad's voice in my head. Where they lead me, I will follow. What they feed me, I will swallow. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. And so you're just, we're sitting there and we're eating it. And like, you got to eat it like three or four times. So gross, it comes back up and you're like, and you just, you just got to eat it. And you're like, where are the dogs? Where are the dogs? Because sometimes you can feed the dogs under the table. There weren't any dogs around. But I say all that just to, just to try to paint a picture of how they were living. And then I was going to get up and speak. And I'd, I already told you I'd prepared a message on generosity. I remember I looked at my message and I was like, I prepared the wrong thing. And God just spoke to my heart and he's like, generosity is not a number. It's a condition of the heart, not dependent on what you do or do not have. I can use it all. And I was like, okay. But my heart is, was, just, was just totally wrong. So we got to share. Generosity is not a number. It's not for somebody else. It's not the privilege of the wealthy or the elite. It's what you and I get to do with everything that God's given us. We just get to. There's not a number that suddenly, now I can be. Or, or this makes it okay, and now I can't. No, just start right where you are. You don't need to wait for anything. Whether you have one chicken, two goats, one of them milks and the other doesn't, or whatever it is. You're just like, God, just ask him, say, what do you want me to do with what you've been given me? What you've given me. Choose to trust him with all that you have. Realize that he's the well, and what we have 
is the water. Don't fall in love with the resources. Don't do it. He is the source. Fall in love and trust the source because he cares for you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? As you're here this morning, I just want to ask, do you know where you stand with God? And maybe you're here and you're like, you know what? I've been meeting my own needs. Doing it in my own strength. And I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life. I thought, I've got my problems covered, but I realize I don't. Because you may be able to take care of yourself now, but the day is coming and Jesus is coming back. And you're going to stand before him. Things you've accumulated here aren't going to make any difference. So when you stand before him, you can know, you don't have to wonder, you don't have to guess. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God. So if that's you or maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, I know better, but I've been doing my own thing. I've kind of tiptoed around this Christian thing, but I've never gone all in. I've never given him my all. And today I just need to do that. I need to go all in for God. Give him everything that I am and choose to trust in him. If you're either of those, I'd love the honor of praying with you. Right in your seat. So in just a minute, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to shoot your hand up and then we're going to pray together. Get ready. If that's you, I want you to lift up hand high so that we can pray together. One, two, three. Right now, shoot it up. Say, that's me. Today is my day. I want to give my life, my heart to him. I want to commit it all. God, we come before you this morning. We thank you for your word. It is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God, today we choose to trust in you. You are our source. All that we have is yours. God, we give it all to you. God, speak to us as we pray, as we seek after you with all that we are and with all that you've given us. And we want to be your hands and feet. Use us to be a blessing to those that are around us, to show them the truth that's found in your word. Thank you for all you're doing in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.